This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Not everything metal was created equal. What an ugly thing to say. The Metal Sucks Podcast. Shiggity Chuck and Godless attempt to bring order to chaos or just make stupid jokes about dumb people. Stupid. A person below normal intelligence. This is the Metal Sucks Podcast. Greetings and salutations, my fine metal friends. Welcome to another edition of the Metal Sucks Podcast. How you doing? I'm Chuck. And I'm Godless. And this is your weekly examination of all things metal, the Metal Sucks Podcast. Make sure that you are subscribed to us all over the place. Hit us on iTunes, hit us on Stitcher, Google Play, whatever damn device you have in your hands. You should be subscribed to this podcast so that it comes right to you every single Monday when we post it. Now, if you can't figure that one out... Metalsucks.net, click on the podcast tab, boom, there's a list of podcasts for from like three years now. We're almost on three years uh, of Ooh, doing, doing Metal Sucks. special for three years? No, should we? I, I, I don't know. Well, special would be keep doing the podcast every Monday. I think that's that's about as special as I can get right now. So make sure that you uh, are subscribed to that and hit us on social media. You can find me at Bearded Ape. I am at Godless Speaks. Godless Speaks on Facebook and Spotify. And on Instagram at Chuck and Godless and ChuckandGodless.com. That'd be our Patreon if you would like to support us. We would appreciate it. We just got through doing a, a special podcast for one of our fine Patreon people for a personal podcast, which was pretty cool. Uh, yeah, so you, check that out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Metal, metal Stats podcast. <laughs> With uh, Douglas. <laughs> Uh, oh well (laughs) that was fun though that was a lot of fun so you know there's a lot of cool stuff there on the patreon that you can check out and it would help us and you know supporting us we appreciate you know every dime that comes in so uh, check that out at patreon.com slash chuck and godless and you will find it there now in this episode we've got a special amazing black metal episode well at least the interview anyway uh, of the Metal Sucks podcast. We've got Frost from Satyricon in 1349 fame. Uh, many people know him as a drummer. We know him as the worst sounding interview that we've ever put on the show. <laughs> well, yeah, so. if, it, if it weren't for the fact that it's Frost, I think we probably would have been like, yeah, uh, bummer. Uh, yeah. yeah, I guess we can't use that one. You know what I mean? But, yeah. you know, it's black metal, right? Yeah, it's pretty. Well, and that's what I was thinking. I was like, if nothing else, it's true in true black metal style. We put it, we put the microphone underneath a pillow behind a drum riser with the, you know, the, the shittiest microphone we could find and had him record it from the other side of the room. And microphone? That's how it turned out. A guitar, we're using a detached guitar pickup, you know? <laughs> Something. I mean, it's, I, I, I apologize in advance uh, for, for this one because it is a little hard to listen to. Uh, but, you know, like I said, it, it, it's Frost. So, I mean, you kind of want to talk to him about it because Satyricon's got their new uh, uh, re-release of Nemesis Divina, uh, their 20th anniversary of it. So that's a remaster that's coming uh, that's going to be coming out and we wanted to talk to him about that. So that's coming up. We're also going to talk about NotFest versus OzFest or OzFest meets NotFest or whatever uh, that spectacular campaign uh, <laughs> we'll talk about that toward the end of the show uh, what we think about this n- new festival that is an old festival that's a new festival again it's going to be great I can't <laughs> wait because 
I think I was looking at. Well, nah, I don't want to get into it right now. We're gonna, yeah, we'll, get about into it. It. we'll get into it. We'll get Because I'm about to slip into it. I'm like, no, 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 no. wait. Uh, <laughs> I also get a new song from uh, Black Crown Initiate that was debuted on Metal Sucks, and I can't resist it because, you know, I'm totally, uh, uh, totally into that band. So we're going to play a new one from uh, Black Crown Initiate in this episode. Well, dude, dude, I mean, I, we got a bunch of like Satyricon fans that are listening to the show, perhaps for the first time. And, yeah. you know, just like I, I, I had to bring this up because it's one of those things that I think nobody really talks about. But I think we all have this issue, right? Like, I, I'm starting to think that I might need a little bit of a diaper or something because <laughs> like I, I I have this like um i've almost always had it this thing where like you know you pee no matter how much you shake it off or whatever afterwards yeah i even use toilet paper to kind of like you know dry things up afterwards but it doesn't matter there's always like a little bit of like leakage later and like in texas it's not a big deal because everything dries up in the heat fast enough that you're good to go you know your underwear might get stiff after a few years but other than that it's all right. It's not uncomfortable. But here in Ireland, it's so cold all the time. It's like I always have this like little cold spot in my underwear. <laughs> and it's so freaking annoying. So like I'm putting it out there because I'm sure everybody deals with this. And I'm just kind of curious, like, you know, how do other people deal? Like, how do you, I mean, do you have that issue? I mean, are you like a boxer guy? And so therefore it all like just dribbles out down your leg or what? Well, I'm a boxer guy, but I also have, you know, we've talked about this on the show too, about I've got a whole nother host of things going on down there. So right. like, you know, I've got I have jewelry and, and metal that's hanging out, hanging out in that region. So I, I've got stuff that feels cold all the time because it's, you know, oh, surgical steel. So that's so uncomfortable. Nah, oh nah, it's actually not that bad i mean you get used to it after a while uh every once in a while you'll bend the wrong way and it'll pinch but you know you know otherwise no nah. but do i piss myself no not usually I, I try to avoid that as much as i can yeah i do too but you know it's a little dribble like almost all the time yeah like almost all yeah. day every day yeah, yeah. So, and which wouldn't be so bad except for the fact that i also poop my pants about once every two years <laughs> well i think you just you know just accommodate and well or you just go the route of like uh, uh just get the way the, the the women's get the pads you know you start wearing a maxi pad instead dude you know just stick that in the inside and you'll be good to go are you yeah, a tidy whitey guy too. No, no, I'm a boxer brief guy. Oh, okay. I used to be a boxer yeah. brief guy, but that's that got a little constrictive uh, after a while. So yeah, yeah see, no, I, I'm I've told. got so little, you know. There's nothing to constrict <laughs> that much. You know what I mean? It's just. <laughs> well, I'm not. Ta- I'm not talking about actual junk that it was constricting on me. I mean, I'm just a fat ass. So I mean, I, I need a little more. I room. just remember. I remember reading an article that was talking about how if you wear briefs or boxer briefs, it lowers your sperm count. And I was like, oh, good. That's what I need is a lower sperm count. Yeah. No, I, I don't think that's actually true. Uh, just just so you know. I, I don't think they, they, that was speculation, uh, the heat speculation. But if you're cooling it off all the time just by pissing yourself, then, you know. Well, then, see, see, I, I, uh, I pooped my pants, like, for the first time in a couple of years last week. Uh and and so that it was like after that i'm like oh god damn it you know i just need to like you know get a diaper or something because this is ridiculous are you having you trouble know? do you need to do more kegel exercises like shit to hold that in there i mean because yeah, uh, i mean that's the thing is like do you sneeze and poop yourself a little or sneeze no, and pee a little i, 
I've, I've, I don't think I have that, although I'm sneezing all the time. The thing is with the pooping is that usually, like, I'm on all these, like, exercise supplements and stuff. And, I, you know, you PM me on Twitter at Galdo Speaks. I'll, I'll hook you up with, like, the stuff you need. This, this stuff is awesome, you know? But... It does have a tendency to every once in a while make you have explosive, you know. Because it's a fucking like, laxative, dude. I mean, it's like, hey, how do you lose weight? Well, I shit all yeah. the time. I mean, it's, yeah. it's so you don't ever keep any anything in your body. I mean, well, the, that's the, part that, of it. That but can't it keeps be... the good stuff in. It gets the bad stuff out. <laughs> well, why do you just not put the bad stuff in to start off with? And then you wouldn't have to worry about taking something to get the bad stuff out. Oh, we all have bad stuff. And then once you're pure, you're good to go. You could maybe transition to something else or or you, you keep on using this stuff and it's it no longer is expunging the bad, the bad stuff. It's just, you know, uh, uh, keeping in the good. That's just because you're afraid to fucking eat anything anymore because you're about to blow yeah. out your shorts every time you fucking <laughs> sit down. I mean, I mean, that's the that, that's the ultimate thing about that. No, 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 no. That's a that's a bad deal. It it totally sucks because I was thinking about it this morning. How like every time I've I've shat myself, it's always within like four and a half feet of a toilet. Of you course know? it is. It's like, yeah, yeah. It's it's it, so it's totally a mental thing. You know, if I could get my brain to like you know just imagine that toilet is fifteen feet away instead of super close, I make it every time. You know, but. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I had I was going my way to the gym, and then you know, fortunately there was nobody in the toilets, but it still didn't help. You know, I, I, you know, shot myself just a little before you know I got the rest of it in the toilet. But then I had to like, <laughs> I had to take a shower, but I only had one of those like mini towels, you know. <laughs> So, and, and, and I had to like, you know, like none of the, you know, some, sometimes you go to a gym and the, and the showers have like, uh, like public soap that, you know, dispensary that my gym does not have that. So I was like poking my head, you know, while I got poop all over myself in this very busy shower, like just like poking my head in each stall to find one where somebody left behind their, their <laughs> soap by mistake. And, and I only found one with a combination shampoo conditioner, but that 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 got the job done. You know? Well, yeah, it gets the job done, and also moisturizes at the same time. So I mean, you're totally yeah. good to go. But it, uh, considering that after the waxing incident, I'm sure that there's no hair to actually condition down there anymore. Well, so. I haven't waxed yet. You oh, know? oh, so you still I, haven't I, done that? No, because uh. that guy gave me that really great tip on how it's going to make my uh, butt cheeks stick together. <laughs> Well, it's cold, so you're not in Texas anymore. You're not going to sweat. So, yeah, I guess, you know. I'm a human furnace. (laughs) Yeah, but, I mean, if you have the problem where you can't burn off any piss in your pants, then, I mean, obviously you're not hot enough. Well, yeah, but see, it's the high body temperature that causes the discomfort. If my body were cold, then it would be the same temperature as Mm. the the, the pee. Mm. So. Thicker underwear, maybe, uh, yeah, or just just start. You might as well just start down the down the road to depends. That way, you know, you can yeah. shit yourself while you're working out, and it won't matter. You know? Yeah, I mean, that yeah, way, if you're on the stair climber, you know, and and you just got to drop it and go, you know, just keep on going. You know, I, I was just wondering whether there's like something I could like wrap my penis in or something like that. So at least like if it dribbles, it's okay. It, it's it doesn't have the it's not pressing against that cold spot in my underwear all day long. You know that sort of thing. But yeah, but if I you say, trust me, if you if you stick anything, it, if it's I have stuff that's built into mine and it it sticks out like half an inch and still is cold a half an inch away so like if you mm. you wrap anything around it's still going to wind up being chilly at some point so 
you know, I, th- I think you're going to defeat it, defeat the purpose by making something else cold. And then you'll piss yourself even worse because then it'll take you forever to get whatever that is off when you really got to go. So then it's just you'll you're everywhere. So it's like being four feet away from the toilet when you got to take it up. You know, well, you know me. I'm always idea. looking for I'm always looking for a solution. So I feel like I'm crowdsourcing a solution. <laughs> If anybody out there, you know, Satyricon fan or not, if you could, you know, hit me up with solutions on ideas on how to, <laughs> like, like, that'd be so good. I'm hearing the commercial. Fellows, do you have a problem? Do you have this problem? <laughs> do you dribble just a little bit anytime you go to the bathroom? Oh, yes, yes, we have that problem. See these unsightly stains in your pants? <laughs> See, this is the thing is probably most people out there that like i'll bet you almost every dude out there is like well i'm the only one who has this problem but nobody ever comes out and says hey i've got this problem you know it's not like you go out with your buddies to watch a game and then you're like hey man so i've been peeing myself uh just like you do you know like nobody does that right no. so nobody so there's an inventor out there who like has this problem but he thinks he's the only one so why would he invent something that's a solution if he's the only one but i want that inventor to know we all have the problem we're peeing and pooping on ourselves like crazy and so you know what's up with all these deists who think that humans were like built like you know just almost perfectly exactly in god's design it's like screw that man this is like as awkward and 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 such a freakish like uh, random you know my body is so freaking random well not not designed by any stretch oh my god yeah. yeah, but it's, I mean, it's, you know, it's just, you're expelling waste, you know, and whatever that, whatever that entails. So, I mean, it's just leftover shit, right? You know, but I I, th- I think the, in the end, it's just, uh, why, why, we just need to talk about it more, man. We need to be sensitive to our bathroom behaviors, man. Trust me, all we're talking about here in the States these days is about who uses what bathroom. So, I mean, the conversation is now open. So, I, th- I think oh, yeah. we're, I think we're totally good. I'm interested in bathroom behaviors, but I'm also interested in your behaviors four and a half feet from the bathroom. <laughs> that's, that's where I've got real issues. Uh, why is it? Look, I can't. Oh, didn't make it. Didn't make, didn't make it again. Oh, well. Uh, well, speaking of making me want to poop. Um, wait, no, that's not how we want to get into this interview. Uh, <laughs> we, we had the pleasure of talking to Frost. Now, uh, like I said, you've heard this podcast before you've listened to us before and you've heard these interviews before this would probably be um this is the scariest sounding interview that i think we've ever put on the podcast because um i don't know what the situation was on his end as far as a speakerphone in a big room and oh yeah it's not audio wise i am not very proud of it but Content-wise, we learn a lot about black metal and learn a lot about Satyricon and learn a lot about Frost, and that's why we want you to hear this interview on the Metal Sucks Podcast. Black Sucks, 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 Black
dude, you were just saying that you th- you think that the black metal needs to like have these rigid lines. We just got the end of that conversation, but that's a real interesting jumping jumping off point because it seems to be so contradictory to conversations we've had with Arcturus and Azan and some of these other guys lately, Enslaved, who seem to be like talking about the idea of just no boundaries with black metal. It, it, are you in the loop as to this disagreement, or do you have a different perspective of the same issue? I, I guess it's kind of curious. Perhaps uh, it would be taking us a little too far to say that there are no boundaries, because that means that, means that practically everything could, could be black metal done. But, but I think that as long as there is truly dark nerve to the music, uh, and as long as it pertains to, to the metal genre, it is a very open and creative genre, and that's really how it was born. And I, I guess that uh, it follows from from how black metal is a musical genre that is based on atmosphere and, and vibe and energies and and all of this uh, this principle that you know there aren't really technical definitions that that apply to the genre, and that makes it much more open. Makes sense in my world, at least, to say that Merciful Fate is is a black metal band. Mayhem is also a black metal band. That sounds completely that's different, and the musical foundation is completely different. To me, even you know, Old Possessed is, is a black metal band, and Jerusalem is that as well. Really a diverse genre, but unlike death metal, for instance, it's not really defined by a very particular sound or uh, a particular type of vocals or a particular type of, of guitar themes. It's defined more by the way it feels, and that makes it more open to more colorful interpretations, if you like, and at least um, a wider spectrum of interpretations. So when you're hearing albums from Enslaved and some of these other guys, and they got the clean singing and some of this other stuff, are you like, what is this shit? Or do you hear what they're trying to do? Or uh, What's your reaction to it? I cannot comment upon latest album by, by Enslaved, for instance. I, I, I simply haven't heard it, and uh, it, it has to be said. And personally, I, when I listen to black metal music, I listen to, to many of the classics. But, but still, I'm, I'm very open to the idea that, that music that isn't necessarily uh, all about extreme metal and not all about screaming and not all about uh, a very, very particular ideology that, you know, that can also be, be black metal. What, what I really like in that kind of music is, uh, is the darkness of it and the vibes and the atmospheres that uh, the music induce. I, I listen to some kinds of music that I consider to be to be black metal music. It's hardly even metal, you know. It's in many ways more ambient music, but still connected to, to metal in in in, uh, in a fundamental way. And and it it makes sense to me to perceive that as black metal because it it has that rather dark and dangerous and and canny vibe to it and there's something, you know, hard and harsh about it and it works pretty much the way that uh, that I think of, um, of black metal uh, does when it's 
done and performed in a convincing way. Well, you had said something to the effect of about the self-titled Satyricon record that, you know, obviously it was more dynamic. There's more things going on there. You didn't feel like you guys were searching for something, but you left yourself open to the possibilities of what could happen and found new things for you to do. Is this newer for you and newer for the band? That That is pretty uh, new for us uh, and something that we discovered in the process of making that album. And I guess we have we have gone further since that, but um, somewhere uh, in the making of, uh, of the self-titled album, we started to realize that dynamics was um, going to be a central part of it, and it almost felt like a missing part of the puzzle, something that the music really needed to, um, to function properly, and, and it should be an element that um, that uh, brought it a lot further and realized the larger potential and really made, made it come alive, uh, which is also exactly what we discovered that it, that it did when we really managed to incorporate it into music. Satyricon is very much about learning and observing and discovering and developing and, and, and getting better. And that was really something that we had paid that much attention to or really mastered well uh, before that album. But when we realized how important it was, uh, we thought that you know, we, we needed to put down some work there uh, and, and bring it into the band as an asset. And I guess that it opened up many doors. And, uh, and now that we are working on a new album, uh, it feels like we are roaming through all of these new rooms, you know, that were open during the process of making the, the previous album. Yeah. And, and now we are making use of it more extensively. Um, and that has really made a difference for Satyricon and, and the most positive sense possible, I feel. Well, and you as a musician, you've got so many other things that are, go whether it's 1349 or of hell, or so many things that you have done. Is some of that informed by your other projects and working with other musicians as well that you bring back to Satyricon? Mm, I can't really say so. Uh, it's a very long time since I've had any any projects, really. I mean, more than 10 or, or perhaps even more than, than 15 years, I guess. I, I, I've been a member of, of Satyricon and then 1349 for, for a long time now, and, and those two bands only. Uh, and I experienced that those two bands represent two very, very different worlds, and I function in very different ways in, in those two. So Satyricon is perhaps um, more of a, of a learning arena for me, while 1349 is more about, you know, the intuitive and the instinctive and relentless release of grimness and fury and, and blackness. Are these kind of conversations that we have about examining black metal and thinking about it and, and thinking about your music, is it the kind of conversations that you and Satir have? Perhaps not that far away from it in a, anyway. I mean, some of those things that we have been talking about now are either quite obvious to us or... or or we understand these things pretty intuitively. We, we don't really need to, to talk about them, but, but sometimes we do talk about, you know, related subjects and and trying to also have a slightly uh, philosophical approach.
approach to, uh, to what we're doing, I guess, and part of, of that learning process that sometimes perhaps just stop a little and examine what you're doing and think about, you know, why you're doing those things and, and, and why do you do them in, in the way that you do them. Perhaps there are things that you could look further into and things that you could do better or things that have gotten stuck with you that are holding you back, you know, we... We we are having that kind of conversations and and they are nature related a little to to what we have been talking about just now. You talk about the darkness, like the the and that sort of being what the overarching thing with black metal and how it should sound. You want it to sound dark. Where does that come from for you? I guess it, you just discover that you are gravitating. I mean, is it anger at religion? Is it? Uh, I mean, like, is there a is there a core source because I mean for some people it's religion some people it's internal some people it's well it's definitely not religious for for me nor nor sincere it's it's really just based on on strong personal experience and it's also connected to personal and musical taste I mean I, I discovered that I had a very very strong life for the dark element in music and I but I was still pretty young, and I had bought a um, debut album by Battery, uh, and I was listening to that album for the first time in the in the cellar room of my parents' house where I lived back then, and I made this photocopy of the cover with the goat and the pentagram on the backside, and put that up on the wall, and I had it pretty dark in my room as I I usually had back then. For reasons that I can't really remember, but at least when when I started to hear the music from the album, you know that that pretty long and somewhat tedious, but still also quite ambient and canny intro. Uh, expectations just rose in me, and then hates broke loose, and and then you know the rest of the songs. I was I was almost mesmerized, and that album was like spinning in my head for the week to come and, and I felt that there was something in it that spoke to me uh, beyond, you know, just the harshness of it or or the speed or anything. But, you know, the fact that I I really felt something dark in it. It was like in the middle of the day when I, I listened to it, but it became like total night immediately and I I pictured, you know, dark landscapes and uh, and felt dark ambiences and like you know drifting towards dark corners of um, of my mind and I was very very drawn towards that and eventually that was also probably one of the reasons that I connected very much to to the lifestyle of black metal and, and not only the music itself but something that felt larger and I didn't really examine or analyze. I just felt that it happened. It was almost like a physical experience. And, and that connection has just stayed with me since then. I, and I never really felt the need to analyze that because it's so unquestionable and, and, uh, and it's a very strong connection. And I will notice if, it, <laughs> if uh, that passion should somehow disappear, you know, then that would really have a big impact on my life. But now I, I feel it as strong as ever. So I know it's still there with me. 
Did that surprise your parents when you went that way? I think that they they didn't really understand, and they I guess they lacked the framework for real understanding what it was about. So yeah, I guess they were a little puzzled by by all of that. They probably hadn't really experienced that sort of thing before, and, and couldn't really grasp it. And I wasn't very interested in, in making them understand them. That didn't really feel important or, or, or necessary. Have they gotten it yet? Mm, not that part, perhaps. I think that they have fully realized uh, its importance for me, and, and at least, you know, how, how deeply I'm truly into that sort of music. Uh, and I think that they can even listen to it, and, and at least they can, you know, feel the strong energy that there and and they can feel that you know there's uh, a lot of effort put into it but perhaps you know that dark aspect is something that it's possible for them to really feel or connect with or understand but then again perhaps they don't need to True. Yeah, on the one hand, I can picture them, you know, wishing that you had a straight and narrow life and, you know, work behind a desk. But on the other hand, we're asking you all these questions about an entire genre because there's almost nobody in the world who represents the genre more than you. Mm. Uh, I, I guess that uh, I have to take that as uh, a compliment and uh, a final acknowledgement. So, so, so thank you. I, at least I... I know that uh, I have a very deep dedication for it, uh, and, and if that matters to people that uh, share a passion for the same thing, well, that is something I, I find to be very, very positive. I I do like to think of Tyrion as good ambassadors for this genre. And I could picture your dad going like, "Hey, I I don't get it, but the kid's huge. <laughs> He's you know? doing pretty good for himself." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I I think that uh, you're. You're not missing the target uh, that much, really. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're really celebrating uh, right now the, the 20th anniversary of uh, Nemesis Divina is really kind of what's going on right now with you guys. And one of the questions I had for you about that re-release or, and remaster was that how do you feel about remastering a record like that? Uh, because part of what I what I kind of hold true is that, the, that records are a moment in time and when you change something, it, it sort of changes what it is. Do you feel the same way, or is there? am I reading that wrong? Yeah, we, we, we did feel exactly that way, and that's the reason the album is uh, it's, um, it's only remastered, and you know, we didn't even consider to re-record it or, or remix the album. This is also... Uh, the album, as you said, represents um, a very particular spirit that belongs to uh, a particular time and a particular setting, and um, uh, and that's part of the charm of the album, and, and it's really what the band was about then, and, you know, what we are able to do now and, and what we would like to do now is better expressed on the albums that we do now, and, and there's a reason that, you know, things are different. So... So when re-releasing the album, what felt right was to see if we could just do some minor ad- uh, adjustments to to the original that would make it, you know, just shine a little more, more or less just bringing forth a little more of what is already there uh, in the original. And given the experience that we have today, we, we felt that, that that was probably possible to do. 
in in a remastering process to see if it, it, if we could adjust some frequencies and create a little more room for vocals or, or give a little extra depth to something or or bringing something uh, that we perhaps weren't that fond of a little more in the background and you know just uh, just slight slight adjustments that didn't really ruin the spirit or or the feel of the album but that would still make it shine a little more and, and sound a little bit better so that was what we set out to do and and that's also what I feel that we we accomplished you know that vocal sound a little better a little crisper and clearer and and there's a little bit more in the low frequency range with uh, which gave it uh, little more fullness because it's uh, originally a little thin in production. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm to judge by the response that uh, we've gotten, that's also pretty much how people perceive the, the remastered edition to be. That, you know, what they hear is basically what we ourselves hear and, and what we wanted there to be. Are the early black metal albums in general sort of victims of the limited resources and technology that you guys had available? Yeah, you could perhaps see them as victims, and to a certain respect, perhaps be right about that. But on the other hand, there there were some upsides. I mean, early works uh, in in most genres are marked a little by the fact that you know they. They are made by unexperienced uh, people with limited resources, but on the other hand, they might be very vibrant and, and energetic and sound very fresh because uh, it's something new uh, and there might be a pioneering spirit that's very present and, and it's made by you know young and very hungry people. And that's how I, I think of the early black metal albums as well, that you know, production might be a little thin or, or sound a little outdated today uh, and the performance wasn't always the best on those albums but still you know they sound very genuine and you can hear the hunger and, and there's something fresh and, and very idiosyncratic about those albums uh, you can't have uh, upside without the downside they, they are linked to each other and that's what I was thinking is that when you're talking about when you're like you're talking about that Bathory record and I'm thinking it's like, well, a remaster would make that sound so different when I think it was Dark Throne re- remastered all of their stuff uh, f- from the early years and it changed the character. Of yeah, it. yeah, because if you really like that spirit you once connected to, right? I like if you were there when it was first released. I think that uh, what made an impact on you was the sum of everything that is there and you cannot really take anything from the equation without kind of ruining uh, the spirit a little, right? Mm-hmm. We were also careful when we remastering yeah. the Divina that we would really keep that original spirit present on the album, and, and I think that we did. Well, that's good that you guys actually had uh, an input on that as well, because a lot of time. You know, they'd throw that to a to a mastering thing and just put it back out, <laughs> and then you guys may not even get to hear it until it's out. They would never have accepted uh, such a move. I mean, they've never done that, and and for Satir, it was completely fundamental and also very natural to be in charge of that process yeah. because he has always been very active in the 
in the tracking, mixing, and mastering processes of our album. So, you know, he, he really needs to be there. He's, uh, he's the boss of the band, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, does, the, does revisiting this album in any way influence your creative process on the next Satyricon album? That's very difficult to say. Uh, I guess that most of what you do as a musician uh, might rub off somehow necessarily in, in, a, in a conscious way. It could happen through the subconscious as well. We always try to learn something from everything that we do musically. But, uh, but I feel that, you know, at least those processes are very far removed from each other. It's still interesting to revisit the old album. But if anything... I think that we got even more convinced that um, the way that we write songs today should be according to very different kinds of principles uh, than, than uh, how they were back then, because there are many of the solutions on Nemesis, you know, that, you know, they, they work fine, but still they wouldn't really fit in, uh, in today's series, and they feel... Uh, a little immature, perhaps. Others are 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 feeling very random in a way, and like we have just you know tried something out, and then we haven't had that uh, overview of what we have been doing, so we haven't realized that you know we haven't been messing things up, or perhaps we have been going on in, in a one-way direction for far too long, or you know things are structured in a very weird way, and yeah, there could be you know one minute of vocals and then many minutes without vocals and then a little vocals again and you know, all these rather strange solutions that feel a little, little random and unexperienced that uh, we would never have today but you know we hear them again when we listen back to Nemesis Divina and, and when we learn the songs for rendering them live or, or when we when we remaster right so at least you know what we have been quite certain about for a while became even clearer to us when going back and looking a little more closely into what we did 20 years ago and what didn't work um, and at least wouldn't work today uh, became very very apparent. I was expecting that that coming out of the Live at the Opera album which I think is like one of the greatest things you guys have ever done Indeed. that we'd be hearing all of these choruses and choirs on the next album just because of the influence of that idea what a powerful night that must have been we get the recorded version of, to ourselves yeah that 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 probably did inspire us and we we weren't really inspired to you know do an album with you know lots of Requires on everything, but uh, but at least to have some specially written arrangements added to some songs, and at least trying out uh, that is something that we that we definitely wanted to do after the opera show experience, and and we have been in touch with uh, with the composer that made these choral arrangements uh, to see if there's anything he can contribute with because he clearly understood our music very well and he understood how he could make certain passages come through even stronger and add some very um, ceremonial aspects to them or epic feelings to them, you know. Uh, and yeah, really create um, a particular ambience. And, uh, and this guy also works with other things than just choirs. He, he, 
he works with organs and, and pianos, and he works with uh, and with strings, and um, so we have uh, we have brought him in, um, brought him into this um, pretty much as a result of the opera album. Well, and that and that that's a confirmed. That's definitely happening. Yeah, yeah, that, that's happening. He's part of the process. Oh, that's awesome. Last but not least, uh, just to just to put it out there, we're about halfway through 2016. You said that uh, cover album and new record coming out this year. Is that are you still sticking to that? Uh, at least we're going to record our new album this year, uh, and that really has uh, the highest priority. And the cover album will be recorded something later, but uh, we will not leave the idea. i 
love listening to podcasts. That's why you're listening to your favorite one right now. How about streaming music? Goes without saying, right? What happens when you combine one of the internet's premier streaming audio sites and your favorite Jabberjob Media podcast? Gold, I tell you. Check out Adobe.com for some great streaming music and every single Thursday from 5 to 8 p.m. is the Jabberjob Media block featuring the Modern Vinyl Podcast and Break It Down with Matt Carter. And that's just the beginning. Adobe will be bringing you more of what you want, great music and great podcasts powered by Jabberjob Media. That's I-D-O-B-I Adobe.com Human, our life conscious cannot survive.
New music from Black Crown Initiate for Red Cloud is the name of the song right there. Cells We Cannot Forget is uh, Cells We Cannot Forgive, excuse me, is the name of the new record from BCI. Only I can call him BCI because I'm a fan, bro. You know, <laughs> it's good stuff. I, I dig it. I can't. I want to hear it in context, like with the rest of the record. And the the record company is being coy with me right now in that. Oh, well, you know, we can't really give you download right now. I'm like, God damn it. Uh, so, yeah, because they know I'm jonesing. They know they, <laughs> they know they're teasing me. Uh, so, yeah, at some point we're going to get this damn new record from Black Round Initiate. But uh, that's a damn it's a good song. Debuted on Metal Sucks a couple week, couple weeks ago, last week, something like that. So now you got it on podcast. Damn it. Now, uh, they are going to be they're part of the uh, the Metal Alliance tour, which has survived so far this year. It seems like it's pretty much intact. Like we're going to get this, uh, get that tour, I think, in a couple uh, in next week, maybe here in uh, Texas. Uh, But they've been part of that tour. You know, that was the one that kind of exploded with um, uh, with Deicide. Remember all the cancellations last year? Oh, yeah. I forgot Uh, about that. Yeah. Yeah. Where Rutan hurt his hand and Hate Eternal had to cancel and like all that, all that mess. That was Metal Alliance. Uh, and so they're part of that with Dying Fetus and, and a couple of those. So that's actually been looks like it's been a pretty good tour so far. From, that's from good. Tell, so, boy, you would think that that would have put the nail in the coffin. I thought year. that was totally done. I mean, that was such a mess there. The last week, week and a half of that tour, it was like, OK, this is it for that. But now they made it work, man. So, huh. yeah, uh, ours is coming. I th- yeah, it's next week. So or well, this kudos week. to the promoters on that, because that that's that's tough. You know, that's so tough to to persevere like that that's awesome yeah and to be able to make that survive because i mean when you damage a brand like that it's like oh shit but they have a good anchor i mean with dying fetus i mean that's you know that's always a, a damn good anchor it's dying fetus and jungle rot and uh a few other bands too so there's man, some, jungle rot every time i've seen them live they're awesome so that, that that's cool yeah that those boys cool. deliver man but uh in this part of the episode we want to talk about this whole uh big huge unbelievable announcement that came this week about Ozfest versus Notfest, or Ozfest meets Notfest. We, um, it was so funny because I was like, "Well, we wanted, we wanted to talk. We were thinking about talking about the Ozzy Sharon thing with them splitting up or whatever." Uh, and then I was like, "I want to wait till we hear this announcement, and you totally called exactly what what it was going to be anyway." Yeah, you know, it was, it, it's the only thing that made sense because they had, they said they were doing something with Slipknot and. You know, and, and then I think that there was something I had read a week or so ago about how somebody posted a, a logo of the Not Fest that had a combination with the Oz Fest or something like that. It was like mm. blended. And I was like, oh, 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 OK, you know, the Internet's awesome. You know, yeah. you, you, you can't make big announcements anymore. You know, well, I mean, you can, but I don't know that this was like a huge announcement to begin with anyway. I mean, it just seemed like this was sort of, oh, Really? no no kidding huh you're gonna do what's gonna make everybody money okay cool my favorite is this picture that they have of everybody sitting on stage in these folding chairs and everybody looks just like they don't care <laughs> that they're there and all the like, gazers like looking down and zach's oh, all looking at that. the screen and they're just kind of like <sighs> well the thing is it, to me it's like it it looks like what uh 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 not fest looked like last year for the most part yeah pretty much it, and then, you know, and it kind of looks like what OzFest would probably look like if they did. You know, so I, I don't kind of I, I get the whole like there is some value in the brand, but maybe, you know, 
Slipknot are giving up a little too much to you know get Black Sabbath to play. You know? Honestly, I I thought the same thing. I said because uh, for me the 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 what was weird is is like why would you give up one of your days uh, and to to Ozfest? I mean, it's like they're just coughing up, coughing up a day uh, to to Ozzy and Sharon, you know, yeah. more than anything else. And you know that you know, like the, it's the same people organizing it. You, you got the same company that you're renting the porta potties from. It's the yeah. same security. It's everything is the same. You're, I can guarantee you that uh, uh, Sharon's not footing the bill for any of it. It's all being covered by a third party into pr- uh, promoter or whatever. So I, I don't. You know, the only thing that's happening is that Slipknot are paying Sharon. To put not only Black Sabbath on the bill, but then to call it uh, Ozfest. Well, and they're paying for that. It's a licensing. That's all it is. It's why yeah. Sharon is the greatest manager in the history of the music business, bar none. Brilliant woman. Well, the thing to me when I first heard heard about this thing and and thought about what was going on was basically it made me think that I wonder if Slipknot lost some money, or I wonder if they didn't make as much as they thought they were going to off Not Fast. Even though I know it was from what I had heard from people, it was a success. But you know who knows what those financials actually look like? You know, so I mean the 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 trick would be is that you know did they actually make any money off of that? And if they did. You know, then they're coughing up cash to Ozfest to either use the name, obviously, or it's part of the deal to get Black Sabbath on this on this thing to call it Ozfest. So you know that they got to rebrand it. So it may be part of the deal to get a better price for Black Sabbath to play. You know, it's got to be part of the negotiation somewhere in there. You know. Yeah, but I'll bet you, no, Sharon's getting everything she wants. Everything. <laughs> well, I believe that. He, yeah, because I can I can guarantee you, like you know, uh, Slipknot and everybody, they're all they're such they're so gay for Black Sabbath that like they were basically going, what does it take? And I bet you, Sharon, you know, sat there and went, you know what? I'm going to take a shower and I'm going to think while I'm in the shower and I'm going to come back with more than you could possibly imagine. And she gets it, and she gets it, she gets what she wants. It's brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Yeah. And and this is the other thing is this whole like I, Ozzy like oh I'm retiring is you know I don't know where along the way but it's going to be my last concert like this is the what fifth time he's retired or whatever right and, and Sharon is going to she doesn't even need a lawyer she's going to take every dollar <laughs> that Ozzy's ever had and then some and Ozzy's going to be left with almost nothing. Guess who's going on tour in 2018? Yeah. Ozzy Osbourne. You know what I mean? And he'll have Zach Wilde back playing with him again, and it'll all be back to, yay, okay, here we go. Whatever it takes. Yeah. Whatever it takes. Well, if he survives. I mean, you know, that, that that's the other that's the other thing in the end. It's like, oh, God, you know, I mean, we're, we've been losing musicians like flies this 2016, so... Uh, he he better be like crossing himself. <laughs> you know, it's like, please, I don't want to. Don't don't feel like losing Ozzy this year. But uh, I mean, yeah, can you imagine that in the, during the split? Like Sharon takes all his money, his all of his property, and his soul. You know, like <laughs> that, it literally is gone. You know? She's got everything. The everything. whole thing. Well, I wouldn't want to be across the table from her. 
That's that's that is scary, man. You think Black Sabbath's music scary? Fuck <laughs> no. Sharon Osbourne's scary, man. Well, I mean, you know, she knows what she's doing. She's going to get what she wants, obviously. Exactly. Exactly. And I mean, shit, they, they, they basically split up, you know, four days before this announcement. And then they were on stage together talking about this, <laughs> talking about this venture. And it's like, uh, uh, oh, OK. All right. That's that's cool. Now, I now the only other th- thing that I kept thinking about it was, was that this is just kind of a, I, I've said for years that OzFest needed to be a stationary festival. Right. The last one was the 2008 one was in Dallas. And that actually turned out to be really kind of cool, right? And, and people are starting to kind of take notice of of that stationary festival thing being a success, i.e., not fest being a success or seemingly in the past. Uh, and now we see, you know, Maryland Death Fest. We see uh, New England Metal and Hardcore Festival. You know, now we've got Chicago Open Air. We've got you know, there's one a couple here in Texas. I think it's Texas Mutiny. We got. Um, there's one in San Antonio called, uh, the river city rock fest. Of course you got the rock Lahomas and all those, but those stationary fests seem to be working out better for promoters and everybody, uh, than the big touring fest and the model that they had created 20 years ago for Ozfest ever did. Uh, or at least it seems to be that way. However, it still seems to be like the same bands playing all of the festivals that are stationary. So effectively, it is really still just Ozfest, just with a different brand name on top of it. I just picture if your band's releasing an album right about now, and you're not on every one of these festivals, you are like at the house of your booking agent, just banging on the door, going, "What is wrong with you? Come on!" <laughs> Come well, on. except you know what, they, they, well, it's not only that, but it, you know, the other thing that caught me like a little funny, kind of looking at, it, is the lineups are a little funny it to me i mean i get it that slipknot is bigger than slayer are they sort of i guess it's their fast but would that usually be the case where slayer would open for slipknot i'm not sure is it hmm. well i mean it like you said it is their festival in name now the the diff okay so there's a couple of, i can see a couple of different arguments there right ozfest 20 2008 uh had metallica headlining and ozzy opened up for metallica which I thought was kind of weird. Uh, well, but, yeah. No, no. I mean, arguably, I would say Metallica is probably bigger. Maybe. Yeah, oh, almost. No, no. Definitely bigger. <sighs> I, I don't think that's even a question. In fact, I, yeah, no. Uh, it's, well, maybe. I don't, I don't know, know, dude. It's close. It's Metalli- got to be close. Metalli- I'm still waiting for the, you know, meet the large, meet the all riches reality show. Yeah, right. You know, that never happened. Yeah, but. and that's what I'm saying. Because, I mean, you gotta you got to look at Ozzy. Just as the Aussie brand, I mean, they he's huge and he's had, you know, yeah. so many radio hits. I mean, probably more radio hits than Metallica actually has. So it was kind of strange, actually. And people were people didn't know what to think. But, you know, everybody's like, ah, the old man has to go to bed early. So, you know, the Metallica headlines. Um, and I think this, though, uh, I think with Slipknot on top and Slayer behind, it's a name thing being not fest. But also, you know, it, it is becoming more common to see to see like the headlining band at least lo- more local shows and shit not be the last band that plays um you'll you'll get them or there's something else going on after they go off the uh, go off the stage uh because the headliner doesn't want to play at one in the morning anymore 
doesn't want to play at one thirty in the morning anymore. They want to play uh, earlier because people are more inclined to come out if they're playing at 11 o'clock instead of 1 a.m. So yeah. there's that aspect of it, too. So Slayer actually is going to get the lion's share there because people are going to leave during Slipknot set, you know, because they're the last they're the last band of the of the bill on a sunday night you know it's like oh man i gotta wake up in the morning you know i yeah they played the song i want to hear you know i'm good <laughs> yeah yeah exactly i mean you but, know dude megadeth opening for disturbed yeah. does that i mean maybe sort of i guess but well, i don't i thought oh, i don't know that's weird to me it's megadeth is in a weird spot just ever since i saw them opening for iron maiden which mm. to me was kind of like Wow, but Megadeth are huge, you know. But I don't yeah, know. They're not as big as Iron Maiden. I mean, internationally, no, of course much. not. But but of course not. Disturbed though, if if, if you go by like like we're saying like radio hit thing or something like that, Disturbed is pretty fucking huge. You know, I mean, like them or not, they they are, and they've got a pretty banging record right now that people are talking about. Yeah. So yeah. you know, the, they're they're at the top of their game. And yeah. they're they're on every fucking festival that's coming around. So they're they're the they're that band because they're on Chicago Open Air too. They're headlining the Saturday stage. So you know, Corn is opening for them uh, on that on that one. So did you see how low Death Angel are on almost every festival that they're playing? I know. I saw they're that. getting on the festivals, which is great. But like. Is Overkill bigger than Death Angel? Really? You know, Death Angel should be over Godhor. You know, they should be over. I mean, just out of respect, they should be at least get the chance to have their logo. I was on just going to say, just I was be, like, if nothing else, just have their logo on there. Not yeah. the, not, not being the small type at the bottom, right? This <laughs> is yeah. like, oh, 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 oh man, because their logo is legible. So it's like the Butcher Babies are bigger than Death Angel. Uh, yeah, no. You're like, they yeah. packed it. They packed the dog when we saw him a couple of years ago. Who? But I think uh, it, Death it Angel, might yeah. be. A, yeah, but it might be a case of like if Death Angel were out there, if they had the rights to Act Three and Frog Through the Park, and they were out there playing those songs, I think they'd be higher up because you know Overkill. Like you go and you hear "Hello from the Gutter" and you're a happy camper and you leave. You know, mm. but with Death Angel, it's like they're only going to play the songs off the last two or three albums and. You know, you can like it, not like it, whatever, but it's it's like seeing a brand new band. Well, I think Death Angel's sort of untested in this in these waters here. You know what I'm saying? I, th- I think that they're still the the return is fresh enough that they haven't really been on the the festival circuit yet. And I think if they come through this and do a damn good job, which you know they will, because they 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 put out. You know, I mean, they put on a hell of a show no matter what where they're playing or what they're doing. Uh, that I think that's. That's a inevitable for them to step up a notch, but it's weird to think that Death Angel has to step up. You know, yeah, it, it really totally. is. Uh, yeah, I mean, for me, you put Frogs through the park and and Act Three up against uh, Among the Living and uh, uh, fucking uh, State of Euphoria for Anthrax, and yeah. and and they, and they they you know they're going to go to blows. You know, those are really great classic thrash albums, and and. The idea that Anthrax is like no question one of the big four, and then you know you talk about who's in the next four and Death Angel. You got to argue for that. Mm. That's crazy to me. Yeah, but to, you know, Anthrax has got got a win in in Scotty Ian. I mean, Scotty Ian's got the cult of personality that's around Scotty Ian. So I mean that that dude's just had 
you know every metal documentary or every metal thing that's got metal in its name that's on vh1 has got scotty in it you know and has since 1985 so it's he's just an icon so i mean you can't more so than belladonna more so than anybody you know bonante anybody in that band so anthrax the only is one who wants to what. see him grow his hair back though who scotty in yeah, it was so much cooler when he had that like you know like weird fro thing. That dude, he's gonna he'd wind up with a skullet. I think he shaved that for a reason. Yeah, the, I know he did. <laughs> wind up looking like Bozo the Clown or something. That wouldn't be fun for anybody. I, I don't know if I want to see that man. I tell my wife all the time, it, it's coming. Just so you know, enjoy the hair <laughs> while it lasts. But it, it's going away, and and then I'm gonna just just shave it. Shave it. That's why you got to do it, dude. But you got to grow a goatee. You know, you got to have some kind of facial hair in replace <laughs> just to to compensate somehow. But I mean, do you when you look at this lineup though? I mean, people were wigging out about this on my Facebook page about how oh my god, I I can't wait. To, I'm gonna have to make this trip. Blah 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 for Ozfest, Notfest. And I know people that had traveled for our, for Notfest before. Uh, and gone out there, not only a couple of bands that have made it on the bill, but also, you know, just traveling to see the show. But I mean, does this, this lineup look like something that you would travel for? No, you know, but that Chicago open air, that is cool. That's got a cool list because, you know, all right, while there are some really interesting, like newish bands on the bill for, uh, for these, for these, uh, for not fest, Ozfest, because you got like Suicide Silence and Whitechapel stuff like that. Like most of these bands are bands that like you've seen them four times, you know. Yeah. And and then you look at Chicago Open Air, and it's like a whole boatload of bands that like you know they're on their second album or third album, mm. and it's great, but you haven't seen them live yet, mm. or you know that sort of thing. That that to me goes. Oh, that that's the trip. You know. I did notice that they didn't put Dead Cross on the same night as Slayer. <laughs> uh, uh, oh well, I guess uh, Lombardo's not going to guest on a, on the on a Slayer set anywhere. Oh uh, well, but yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. I don't know that this would be something. But but I'm also hard pressed to travel for anything, man. You know, so, I mean, it's got to yeah. be. It's got to be. I actually thought like Stavros was uh, was taking pictures of fucking uh, David Gilmore right um, in Chicago, and it made me go. I want to travel to Chicago to see David Gilmore now. I need to go now. Like the, I hadn't been that motivated to to like get on a plane and go see a show ever in my life. Um, and I started hunting out where Gilmore was playing because he's not doing like any anything in the South or anything like within driving distance. So I was like, okay, I got to go. But but I I look at these lineups and I'm like, well, I don't know that I would travel for this. You know, uh, even look at Chicago Open Air, even even some of the ones that are in Texas. Is like, well, you know, they're okay, they're good. But I mean, a lot of these bands, like I said, are on tour. So we're, I, you know, Slayer is going to be coming through Austin you know with anthrax and death angel on that tour you know by themselves uh you know we'll probably see probably see a megadeth show we'll probably see a hate breed show we'll probably see a devil driver show you know like a lot of these bands are going to be coming through and they're touring so i does that take some of the sting out of these destination festivals well i think that like that's where like uh something like 70,000 tons has a leg up because, you know, not only are you on a cruise ship, which is a pretty cool experience, but then beyond that, they do something like the uh, Jeff Waters in Open Waters Open Jam thing yeah. where you get like a once of a lifetime 
experience seeing musicians playing with each other you know well yeah it's the motorboat and it's the seventy thousand tons it's the uh what's the other one the the oh shit the one that five finger death punch played the god damn it it's like rock boat or yeah something, something like that uh, the, that you know like each one they've got their own ones and it's like Okay, like sort of like something like that makes kind of sense to me, uh, because you've got the built, like you said, the built-in cruise thing uh, on top of the the band experience and all that. Because I mean, you're still going to be traveling, you're still going to be either camping or something else, you know, some kind of accommodation somewhere. So I mean, it's you're going to be coming out of pocket for a lot of stuff. So and that's part of the reason why I just like go well. Hmm. Well, you got to keep in mind you go to shows like three, four nights a week. That's true. You know. yeah, here here it is. You know, in, here I am in, in in Dublin. I haven't been to a show in a couple months, maybe more. And then you know, like Bloodstock's happening in a few weeks. And you know, I wish I could go this year. I had such a great time last year. It's an awesome lineup. If you're in the UK or can get there, check out Bloodstock. It's a great Twisted Sister, man. I've never seen Twisted Sister live. Love to do that. Behemoth, you know, it's just a freaking great lineup. Um, And uh, so, you know, that to me is like, it, it looks really cool because while I've seen some of those bands before, other bands I haven't, and you know, it's a it's a it's a well organized festival. It's a pleasant mm-hmm. time out, and then beyond that, it's I don't go out very often. It's like I get my my live music fill all in one weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean, I'm looking at my schedule, like what's coming what's coming through my area. I've got Slipknot and Marilyn Manson coming. I got Slayer coming through. And you know I've got those those big tours. I got Corner Rob Zombie. They're but you know they're on tour together, coming through, uh, coming through here. Gojira is going to be making a stop, and they're on tour. Uh, you know if I'm looking at the smaller bands, you know I've got I've got Marduk and Rotting Christ. I've got the Metal Alliance tour and High on Fire and Refused and Winds of Plague and Rings of Saturn and uh, you know Venom is coming. Venom Inc is coming. Zach Wilde's going to be through town. You know what I'm saying? So like all this stuff is on tour. And it's a, yeah, maybe a little bit more shotgun approach to trying to catch some of these things. But, you know, I guess maybe it's a vacation time or it's, a, you know, it's something where yeah. I would take a full week off to go to open air or something like that. And you just spend the time there. Right. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know. I, open air looks like a blast. It does look like, you know, to be able to see like helmet and periphery and you know a bunch of all these other bands that like i i could just picture the Ozfest, not fest they they're not even thinking about bands like that it's not like tesseract comes up as an idea which you know, is weird it's totally weird and they don't even have gojira on this lineup which which should should be like a like a slam dunk you yeah know? well and and I, you look back at some of the the what they've had before and they kind of they they were kind of doing those things like I was uh, I was perusing the Knotfest lineup uh, from before and I think like the main stage last year was Judas Priest and Corn I think something like that uh, but like the second stage was at the gates uh, Red Fang Battle Cross uh, Guar was on there Born of Osiris Earth Crisis um helmet was on it uh bear tooth a couple other bands like that you know so uh, bring me the rise and i think was the second was a second behind slipknot on the main stage uh you know for the second night or something like that so i mean you know they've done some of that stuff in the past so it seems sort of weird that it's back down to the old guard now uh with ozfest in there but it's part of the brand part of the brand baby yeah that's what the brand is hey look it's old guy metal (laughs) 
Old guy metal, good. <laughs> old guy metal. Speaking of which, this old guy is uh, starting to get incontinent, and uh, we need to we need to wrap this thing up, baby. So thanks to Frost for uh, having a terrible phone line and calling in onto the show this week. We appreciate it. Uh, make sure that you guys are subscribed to the show, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you get your podcast. Make sure you search Metal Sucks Podcast, and you will find it. You can also find us on social media. I'm at Bearded Ape. I am at Godless Speaks. Godless Speaks on Facebook and Spotify. Chuck and Godless. That's where you're going to find us on Instagram. So follow us there. We post pictures Please. of all kinds of fun things. I saw Godless was at McDonald's the other day. Uh, <laughs> I've not, I have not eaten at a McDonald's in years. <laughs> uh, so uh, check that out. And you can also check out ChuckandGodless.com. That will be our Patreon. If you'd like to support us, we would appreciate it. Uh, you know, chip it a dollar. Whatever you can get, we would uh, we would definitely appreciate it. Patreon.com slash Chuck and Godless. So till I need diapers. Yeah, he's <laughs> definitely. So till next week, I am Chuck. And I'm Godless. This is another Metal Sucks podcast. You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, jabberjawmedia.com. Shh.